Just as a disclaimer, we want you to know that some of the movies that we will be reviewing were shot in a different time and era where people of race and sex were not treated equally. We understand this and hope you do too. The movies or anything that happened on the sets are not the views of this podcast or what this show is intended to be all about. Exactly. And we want to give due diligence in presenting the movie and not the views of the cast or directors or anyone involved. But we also feel it's necessary to let the audience know some of the background information to get a feel for what was happening at the time of shooting the film. Again, we hope you understand that we do not agree with everything that went on and we just want to give out the information. And with that being said, hope you enjoy the show. shot is what it's all about. Deer has to be taken with one shot. Blessed is the kingdom of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. How sorry I am about Nick. How I know how much you loved him, and I know that it'll never be the same. What's the matter with you? Don't you recognize me?
Alright guys, welcome back to the Tragedy of Cinema podcast. I'm your host Jimbo, and today I'm joined by two very special guest hosts. Not really, it's the same ones that are always here. <laughs> it's me again, Terrence. I think like I'm special, I'm Kyle. <laughs> Kyle, you are our special millennial. Um, today we'll be discussing The Deer Hunter, uh, which is episode number 65, and it is num- falls into number 78, or sorry, 79, as the greatest movie of all time. Um, this was really different than anything I was expecting. That's an understatement. <laughs> it is all of our first viewing of this movie. I did see the tail end of this movie, so it did not prepare me for the first half of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> right. And the first two-thirds of it. Yeah. <laughs> I know. So uh, we're going to go ahead and just jump right into this movie. All right. Deer Hunter. This came out February 23rd, 1979. This is a three-hour and three-minute movie. This is a long It's a long movie. one. Yes. Uh, this is rated R for a reason. Uh, a, a lot of reasons. <laughs> a lot of reasons. It's a non-movie. Some would say no maybe more. the core. Uh, <laughs> I know, right? Uh, the budget for this was $15 million. This is just an estimated uh, number for their budget. Uh, this made $50 million in the box office. And then internationally, they made $57.7 thousand. Uh, so we're still looking at about $50 million and 57000 worldwide. Uh, the box office for February 1978, we have, I just have the top two. Um, must have been in a rush to do the notes and forgot the other ones. <laughs> On the top two, we got Close Encounters of the Third Kind and Star Wars Episode Four: New Hope. Box office, 1978 for the whole year, we have number one, Grease. Number two, word. John Travolta's Grease. <laughs> That's right. Number two, Superman. Number three, National Lampoon's Animal House. Number four, Every Which Way But Loose. And then number five, Heaven Can Wait. And all the way at number nine, we have Deer Hunter. Pretty great year, actually. Uh, Overall, I think. Uh, This was directed by Michael Camino. Writing credits goes to Michael Camino. uh, Derek Washburn. Louis uh, Garfinkel. Quinn K. Riddiker. And I've been on such a roll with names, and I knew was one was going to stop me eventually. I have no idea how to say that. Uh, Derek, and then once again, uh, Derek Washburn for the screenplay itself. So we got music credit goes to Stanley Myers. Director of photography was Vilmos uh, Zygmunt. Editor Peter Zinner. And then no we relation. have our <laughs> <laughs> producers uh, Joan uh, Carillini. Michael Camino, Michael uh, Dealey. So this is interesting. So the uh, once again we have a movie where the director helped produce it, also along with a bunch of other producers. The rest being John Prevail, uh, Mourinho Rosenberg, associate producer Barry Spikesing, producer, and this was distributed by Universal Pictures. Which I forgot, so, like, I'm, I'm used to, like, sort of early 2000s, like, 90s Universal, so when it had, like, the slower kind of intro, I was like, oh, yeah, oh, I forgot yeah. it was this different. Was, <laughs> this was the way it used to be, the right way, the good old days. <laughs> uh, now we have our technical specs, so this is a sound mix 70mm 6 tracks, so 70mm prints. We have Dolby stereo, 35mm prints is Dolby system. Uh, this movie is in color, we're back to color movies. Aspect ratio, 2.2 by 1, 70 millimeter prints. Then we have three, 2.39 by 1. Uh, this was filmed with the Canon 
camera Panavision Panaflex and Panavision C-Series lenses, and this was edited in, excuse me, Technicolor, Hollywood, USA. Film length, 5,035 Sweden. Negative format, 35 millimeter. Cinemagraphic process, we're looking at digital intermediate for 4K for the 2018 remaster. Did not know this was remastered. That's the version we watched. (laughs) 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 Surprise. Right. Uh, Dolby Vision, once again, the 2018 remaster. Uh, Panavision Anamorphic. Printed film format, 35mm. And for the blow-up theater version, 70mm prints. And now for the... Awards! Actually got quite the handful for this one. All right. Academy Awards USA 1979. They won Best Picture, Best Actor in Supporting Role, Christopher Walken, Best Director, Michael Camino, Best Sound, Best Film Editing, uh, Peter Zinner. Nominated for for Best Actor in Leading Role, Robert De Niro. No relation. Best Actress in Supporting Role, Meryl Streep. Best Writing Screenplay Directly Written for the Screen. And Best Cinematography. We have the BAFTA Awards. Uh, Winner, BAFTA for Best Cinematography, Vilmos uh, Sigmund. Best Editing, Peter Zinner. Nominated for Best Actor, Robert De Niro. Best Actress, Meryl Streep. Best Direction, Best Film, Best Screenplay, Best Soundtrack, Best Supporting Actor, Christopher Walken. American Cinema Editors, USA, 1979. They won Best Edited Feature Film. Nice. Peter Zinner. Peter Zinner. <laughs> no relation. <laughs> American Movie Awards, 1980. They won Best Supporting Actress, Mel Streep, and Best Director, Michael Camino. Awards of the Japanese Academy, 1980. Winner of the... Award of the Japanese Academy, Best Foreign Language Film, uh, which is interesting. We've seen a handful of uh, films that we've covered uh, win the Best Foreign Film Language, particularly in Japan and also in a couple other countries. So it's interesting how you know we put out uh, a handful of movies that are just... So well regarded. Yeah, yeah, well regarded that they win, you know, foreign film awards, which is interesting. I think there was one that we uh, did that only won foreign film awards and nothing in America, I if I so. remember. yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, we have the Bel Air Film Festival, 1978, winner, uh, Robert De Niro, Best Actor. Blue Ribbon Awards, 1980, winner, Blue Ribbon Award for Best Foreign Language Film, Michael Camino. Directors Guild of America, USA, 1979, they won the DGA Award for Outstanding Directional Achievement in Motion Picture. Golden Globes, USA, 1979, they won Best Director Motion Picture. They were nominated for... Best Motion Picture Drama, Best Actor in a Motion Picture Drama, Best Actor in Supporting Role, Motion Picture, Best Actress in Supporting Role, Motion Picture, Best Screenplay, Motion Picture. I'm really trying to shotgun these out. There's so many. Hachi Film Awards, 1979, winner of the Hochi Award. Best Film, uh, Foreign Language Film. So once again, we're looking, this was pretty successful uh, in uh, overseas. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have the kin- Kinema Junpo Award, 1980, winner of Reader's Choice Award. So once again, Best Foreign Language Film Director, Michael Camino. Los Angeles Film Critics Association, 1978, winner for Best Director, nominated for Best Picture, Best Actor, Best Supporting Role Actor. 
National Film Preservation Board. It hit it in 1996. National Society of Film Critics Awards USA 1979 winner, Best Supporting Actress, Meryl Streep. Nominated for Best Supporting Actor, uh, Christopher Walken, and he got third place. Best Film, tied with An Unmarried Woman in second place. Uh, Best Director and Best Actor, Robert De Niro, fifth place. Fifth place, Robert De Niro. <sighs> right? Well, <laughs> better than nothing. For not uh, first, your last kids. We have New York Film Critics Circle Awards, 1978. Uh, winner for Best Film, uh, Best Supporting Actor, Christopher Walken. Nominated for Best Supporting Actress, Best Actor. Online Film and Television Association, 2016. It won the OFTA Film Hall of Fame for mo- Best Motion Picture. Turkish Film Critics Association Awards, 1980, nominated for Best Foreign Film. It got third place. And then finally, Writers Guild of America, USA 1979, nominated for Best Drama Written Directly for the Screen. So what I find interesting looking at these sets of awards, typically when I get handed a movie that has just a stack of awards, usually there's a lot of awards that you're like, okay, I'm not familiar with these, uh, particularly that have that are, uh, take place here in the States. This one, uh, besides the ones that, you know, we've maybe heard in some other films for, like, uh, as far as foreign awards and stuff, um, as far as, like, all the uh, American award uh, categories and, and stuff, you see a lot of, like, big ones or notable ones that we see a lot. So I think that's interesting that uh, this one made a lot of notable awards and I believe areas that count it. And it, it's also interesting to see that it was such a big hit and it, one best foreign film in multiple places. If not, it was nominated and got close to winning. So I thought, just point that out. I thought that was interesting. Yeah. And those are all close with the rewards. So let's take a look at the cast who graced their mugs on this silver screen. First up, we have the legendary Christopher Walken who played Nick. You'll, of course, recognize Christopher Walken from a myriad of films as a great character actor and great main character actor in certain films. But uh, most of you might see him in, like, You Catch Me If You Can, Can You Catch Me If You Can, uh, where he played um, DiCaprio's father, um, McKeever, New York, Click, Pulp Fiction, Hairspray. I mean, you name a movie that... Prophecy, Batman Returns, Wedding Crashers. I mean, there is... Everything. He's, he's just a, such a good actor. Yeah, he's actor. I think he made probably some. I think he's up there with like one of the most most SNL performances. Yeah, like more cowbell. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> cowbell man all the way. Absolutely legendary I actor. My need is, is more, more cowbell. cowbell. <laughs> Love it. Yep. Then second up we have Robert De Niro playing Nero. Um, <laughs> wow. We have just went from <laughs> Robert De Niro playing Michael. <laughs> Sorry about that. And uh, Robert De Niro, also a legendary actor in his own right, went on the go with many films. You'll most likely recognize him from films such as Goodfellas, Taxi Driver. Uh, most recently, he was in the Netflix film The Irishman and Heat, Casino, Intern. I mean, um, Raging Bull made his so name. So many good movies. You know, I mean, Robert De Niro was a name. Like, if you, if, you know, if you watch movies, you know who Robert De Niro is. Simple Meet the that. parents. Meet the parents. <laughs> the whole trilogy, that whole right. trilogy, the cinematic trilogy. Meet the parents. <laughs> then uh, next up we have Meryl Streep playing Linda. Um, Meryl Streep has been in the industry forever as well. <laughs> and uh, in a good way. I think she's been in a lot of great films. You might recognize her in such films as The Iron Lady in 2011. Um, it's Complicated in 2009. And Kramer vs. Kramer. Let Them All In. Uh, it's, you know, Little Women. She was in that recently. And uh, one of her personal favorites is The River Wild in 1994 with Kevin Bacon. Um, great actor, all in all. Love her to death. And next up. 
Um, we have that's top three. We'll go to the next, just kind of rapid fire. The actors going here. We got John Cazell playing Stanley, John Savage playing Stephen, George Dizunda playing John, and Rutania <laughs> Alda playing um, Angela, and Chuck Aspergen playing Axel. And that is the cast of the Deer Hunter. Right. Now we move on to Jimbo's Golden Notes. Golden Notes. So here we go. Notes of gold. This, um, before we do, Kyle, it is your turn to give us a synopsis of the Deer Hunter. The Deer Hunter <laughs> synopsis. Um, there's not <laughs> the Deer Hunter synopsis. Basically, it's a film of um, a group of men, particularly Nick and. Michael, who are drafted to um, go into the Vietnam War, and shows their life. I don't think they got drafted. I think they volunteered. They volunteered. That's they volunteered, right. They volunteered because yeah. not the whole crew went. Only right. those th- the three of them left from like the entire sort of ensemble of characters in the beginning of the film. Only three of them actually go. Yeah, Vietnam. but essentially, it's a, it's a, um, a almost like a slice of life of what a small mining town is, basically, and yeah. how these men um, volunteer for the war and has this huge di- and has this huge um, you know. Um, uh, not 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 whiplash, anyways. But like, it shows what their lives is in this mining town and their final days before they go to the war, and how they live their lives, and how what they're leaving behind when they go to Vietnam. And then the second half of the film is about what it is to return after the horrific events, having witnessed those horrific events in Vietnam and the horrific details, and trying to cope and try and make something good for your life after those kind and of events. And also how it affects the people around, around them. You. And yeah, and around like them. That, which is very interesting with this Very movie. nice off the cuff, Kyle. <laughs> well, actually, I, I have a very interesting bit I do want to start us off with. So this movie was com- supposed to be completely different. It wasn't a nom movie when they first wrote this movie. Uh, what became The Deer Hunter, it started as The Man Who Came to Play. That's what it was originally called. And it was a, it was going to be a high-stakes gambling movie set in Vegas, centered around Russian roulette. So they took that, and then they're like, mm, let's change it, and then it suddenly became a movie. Uh, and I think it, maybe it was influenced by the events, uh, maybe when when they came up with the idea. Uh, it's just interesting to see uh, that. And I'm going to go ahead and throw this a warning out here. Um, this is heavily... Heavily Russian roulette uh, implied oh, yeah. throughout this, this entire if I movie. If I didn't say that. Uh, language, uh, nudity. You've got a little bit of everything in this movie, so it's be a, warned. Yeah, it's a very adult film, very serious film. Not right. an inappropriate film necessarily in that kind of sense. Well, not when you like, see Robert De Niro running naked down the street, it's not like crude or immature in right. a way. It's not like it's yeah. not like Deadpool jokes. It's more like this is a serious movie about people who are sincere in their lives right. and. Uh, series in that way. Go well, <laughs> first of all, that wedding, if you watch this movie, the first 51 minutes of this movie is about a wedding. And I was like... We were all taken aback I was that. like, what What am I watching here? And it was actually like the full-length wedding almost, you know what I mean? And I was yeah. like, and the party they just went into, and they just kept going and Everyone going. getting dressed. And I was like, everything. why is this considered one of the greatest movies of all time? This is terrible. I mean, that's where I was at. <laughs> I mean, I get they were building the relationship, the characters. You could see some of the conflict, you know, between uh, Nick and Michael and, and mm-hmm. Meryl Streep's character. Um, yeah, but it was, yeah, it's definitely a huge thing too. Where like I was starting that film, like the first twenty minutes, I thought like, oh, this is just like the 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 basic setup stuff. I'll just kind of like lean back and like disregard it as we wait to go to Vietnam, and then it just keeps going and going and going. And this wedding there, I was like, oh, this is the heart of the film, right? And, <laughs> yeah. then, and then you know they do that the day after that they go uh, on their uh, trip, the deer hunting trip that they yeah, usually yeah. go, and then they the next thing you know they're in Vietnam for just. 
20 minutes maybe, and then we're back home. And I was like, well, (laughs) this is not what I thought it was Vietnam is a chapter of the Deer Hunter. It's not the Deer Hunter. (laughs) So here we go. Uh, Co-writer and director Michael uh, Simonon. How'd you say that? Tarrant? Camino? Is that C-I-M-I-N-O? Yeah. Simino. Simino. Simino, yeah, Simino. Michael Simino. Simino. That's, what, that's what we're all going to say. We're going to say uh, that's convinced Christopher Walken to actually spit in Robert De Niro's face. When oh, Walken yeah. actually did it, De Niro was completely shocked, as evidenced by his reaction. In fact, De Niro was so furious about it, he nearly left the set. <laughs> so Simino later, I'm just going to call him Mr. C, uh, later <laughs> said of Walken, he's got courage. <laughs> so actually, uh, uh, sort of to piggyback off of when you were talking about the deer hunting scene in general, um, an interesting thing about that is even though this all this this movie as far as the the non nom parts of this movie set place or took so set place took place in Pennsylvania but the filming for the actual deer hunting when they go uh, sort of camping um, slash deer hunting that took place in Washington and some of it uh, also in Ohio. Yeah, it is in Cleveland. That's where the yeah. steel mill and all that was. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And the little storefront. That's how you get the you know, the aesthetics of the, the forest and that kind of situation. Exactly. It's just, that's pure Washington all the way. Um, the slapping in the Russian roulette sequences was 100% authentic. The actors grew very agitated by the constant slapping, which naturally added to the realism of the scenes. That's like where the Vietnam people had them. Remember yeah, yeah, all, yeah, That, yeah, was, that was an intense movie scene. Yes. Uh, Sadly, John Cazell was very weak with lung cancer when filming began, and for this reason, all of his scenes were filmed first. Michael, Mr. C, uh, knew uh, from the start that Cazell was dying from cancer, but the studio did not. When they found out, they wanted to replace Cazell. When Meryl Streep learned of their intentions, she threatened to quit if they did. Cazell died in March 1978, shortly after filming was completed. He never saw the completed film. Sad deal. Yeah, that's always uh, The studio wanted to replace him um, uh, when he was ruled uninsurable. Uh, Robert De Niro put up the money for the insurance. Cazell died shortly after filming was completed. Um, all the scenes were shot on location with no sound stages. The scene where Stephen is yelling, Michael, Michael, there's rats in here. Michael, <laughs> I see he's stuck in the river, is John Savage yelling at Michael C. because of his fear of rats, which were infesting the river area. He was yelling for the director to pull him out of the water because of the rats. It looked real, and they kept it in. <laughs> yeah. like, I am not okay with this at all. <laughs> um, the woman who was giving the task of casting extras in the Thailand had difficult finding a local to play the vicious looking individual who runs the Russian roulette games. Uh, The first actor, Howard, turned out to be incapable of slapping Robert De Niro in the face. (laughs) So, the cast rule thankfully knew a local Thai man who particularly disliked Americans and cast him accordingly. De Niro suggested that Christopher Walken be slapped for real by one of the guards without any warning. The reaction on Walken's face was genuine. (laughs) Um, the way Christopher Walken achieved his look, uh, the you know the hollow, yeah, yeah, sad looking, uh, was done by consuming nothing but water, rice, and bananas. Wow, wow, that Talk is about, a uh, method acting right there. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you're <laughs> your stomach could sound like According a to Michael C. <laughs> right. Robert De Niro requested a live cartridge in the revival for the scene in which Michael subjects Stanley to an impromptu game of Russian roulette to heighten the intensity of the situation. John Cazell agreed without protest, but obviously rechecked the gun before each take to make sure that the live round wasn't in the next chamber. <laughs> yeah. uh, Robert De Niro recently explained that the scene where Michael visits Steve in the hospital for the first time was the most emotional scene that he has ever been involved with. 
He broke down in tears while discussing the scene in AFI's Life Achievement Award, a tribute to Robert De Niro in 2003. That was a touching scene. It was, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's where this movie shines is the, the latter half in particular. Right. Exactly. Yeah, coming home is definitely the hardest yeah. part of this movie in a, in a real way. Yeah. <laughs> According to cinematographer Vilmos Zygmunt, the scene where the deer was shot by Michael was filmed by giving a trained deer a sedative. It took an <laughs> half an hour for the drug to take effect. <laughs> they had fenced off an area limiting the deer's range and two cameras were used. Robert De Niro was so anxious about the film's controversy that he did not attend the Oscar ceremony. He asked the Academy if he could sit out of the show backstage, but when the Academy refused, De Niro stayed home in New York City. Oh, wow. He just, no, total refusal. Right. He won't let me. I'll do this. I mean, I guess I can understand the anxiousness, uh, given, like, any movie that's sort of surrounded, you know. Well, especially at that time. Yeah. The time is. Exactly. Uh, yeah, like, the other time period is, like, I could totally see, like, that could, that's a, that's, that's hot to touch. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, Robert De Niro and John Salvage performed their own stunts for the fall into the river, filming the 30-foot drop 15 times in two days. Speaking of which, times. I have a bit of information on that, so... Uh, Robert De Niro almost died during yeah, filming. They so, got caught. <laughs> so there's a lot of like things that led to that happening. So for one, uh, they had a helicopter pilot, but they didn't have a trained helicopter pilot that was used to filming stunts. So during uh, filming, when he, when they're on the bridge, um, one of the cables actually gets caught, and it cuts the uh, safety cable that was holding Robert De Niro. And then he's actually they were hanging at like 60 feet above the water. And he's actually just holding on for dear life uh, in that particular scene. So, like, if he let go, that would have been Dundee's. Um, Dundee's. <laughs> uh, Robert Dundee's. <laughs> Robert Dundee's. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, no, that, that, that's a little interesting fact about that whole helicopter scene. It was almost a disaster. Uh, there was a handful of other things that we'll also cover. And, and we laugh so. about this, but it's absolutely, it is, I think, it's morally irreprehensible to actually physically abuse your actors yeah. and put them in dangerous scenarios. Not to mention, <laughs> that, that, you know, when filming overseas, sometimes corners are cut when they shouldn't be. And I think that this was one of those scenarios that it, it's a totally controllable situation that with the with, with the right crew, it could have been done right, where it almost went very wrong. Yeah. yeah. You ne- never need to put your actors in actual danger. The beauty of art is that it's art. It's I mean, you don't need to look any further than what was it the Twilight Zone movie where the helicopter crash and oh, oh the absolutely kids horrific. And the, yeah yes. oh my gosh I mean um, Robert De Niro was Ooh. prepared for his role by socializing with steel workers was introduced by his host and new friends as Bob and no one recognized him <laughs> <laughs> that's great that's uh, fantastic when the I film was, like somebody I know, I don't. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, when the film was first shown at the Berlin Festival in 1979, one of the biggest incidents of its history resulted when the Soviet delegation walked out in protest against the way the film portrayed the people of Vietnam. The ensuing domino effect led to the walkouts of the Cubans, the East Germans, the Bulgarians, the Poles, and the Czechoslovakians, and two members of the jury resigned in sympathy. That is one thing about the film that I noticed. Uh, in, in sort of contrast to the other movie that we covered that's a non-movie, where this one's very heavy-handed on the portrayal of, you know... War crimes? Yeah, for sure, but it was more, like, one-sided on it. Like, obviously, the whole war, both sides were terrible, right? Yeah. But but this movie more was in this, let's just show the one side, and and that's about yeah, it. Yeah, certain depictions, especially, like, the, the, what the Vietnam soldiers are shown doing to innocent yeah. civilians is... 
absolutely horrific and not necessarily covered in any kind of realism or, or like at the very least not a one-sided realism and, you know, yeah. well, atrocities occurred on both sides of those conflicts and I, I think that's why we're this this shines in the latter half just because it, I, I think that is sort of an issue in in sort of the middle like I think the best non-movies depict the atrocities on both sides and not just showing it kind of a one-sided deal yeah and that like the latter half benefits for the fact that it just doesn't have those moments anymore exactly you know? yeah uh, the Viet Cong Russian roulette scenes were shot in real circumstances with real rats and mosquitoes as the three principals were tied up in bamboo cages or uh, erected along the River Kwai. Robert De Niro claims this was his most physically exhausting film. In the screenplay, Linda's role was negligible. Michael C. explained the setup to Meryl Streep and suggested that she write her own lines. Interesting. <laughs> During wow, the great huh. filming of the wedding scene... Michael C. encouraged the many extras to treat the festivities as a real wedding, and you can tell, uh, so as to increase the authenticity of the scene. Prior to filming the wedding reception, uh, Mr. C. instructed the extras to take empty boxes from home and wrap them up as if they were wrapping real wedding gifts and bring them to the set the next day. The fake gifts would then be used as props for the wedding reception. The extras did as they were told, but when Mr. C. inspected the props, he noticed that the gifts were a lot heavier than empty boxes otherwise would be. Mr. C tore the wrapping paper off a few of the packages only to find that the extras had in fact wrapped real gifts for the wedding. <laughs> That's and they got another toaster. <laughs> uh, the wedding scene at the church took five days to film. I thought it lasted five days when I was watching it. And a real priest was cast as the priest. Huh. Uh, Meryl Streep was romantically involved with John Cazell during the filming as well as after until his death. Dustin Hoffman was aware of this, which is why... Uh, and part of why he had producers cast her as Joanna Kramer in Kramer vs. Kramer because she would bring a vulnerable woman in crisis feeling to the role. She went on to win her first Oscar for Best Supporting Actress for the film. It was her second Oscar nomination and second nomination in that category after this film. Christopher Walken was originally supposed to receive $17,000 for his role as Nick, but his salary was raised to 25000 because filming took longer than was originally planned. Money Fair. talks and... Helps yep. you work. Labor's labor. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you gotta pay more. <laughs> the deer, which Michael allows to get away, was actually an elk. The crew had a very difficult time trying to get the elk to look at them, as it was apparently used to uh, various noises. It finally looked at them when someone in the crew yawned. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we've been looking at Terrence. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Terrence once said we're done day one. <laughs> right. Uh, here it is. During the helicopter stunt, the runners caught on the ropes and the helicopter rose and threatened to seriously injure John Savage and Robert De Niro. The actors gestured and yelled furiously to the crew in the helicopter to warn them. Footage of this is included in the film. Yep. The deer hunting scene was shot in the Cascade Mountains of Washington. The mountains shown in the backgrounds as Mount Shushkin. The volcano shown is Mount Baker. The waterfall is Nooksack Falls. Uh, when Christopher Walken did the Russian roulette scene, he was remembered being sent to summer camp by his parents, which he hated. He felt betrayed, ostracized, and alone, which he felt the character was experiencing at that point in the film. <laughs> summer camp. <laughs> Maybe to a different level, but yeah, I guess. You, you got to pull it from somewhere. Yeah, you know? uh, not wrong. The U.S. still allowed filming inside its Cleveland mill, including placing the actors around the furnace floor only after securing a $5 million insurance policy. That makes sense. Yeah. The, deaths, the deaths of approximately 28 people who died playing Russian roulette were reported to have been influenced by scenes in this movie. So it's from this movie they're saying. Yeah. There was, uh, what was the movie um, that was about the teacher um, teaching low-income students where the very end was very impactful because they played the game of Russian roulette and then, does that not ring a bell? 
to either of you guys? Uh, about, like, Freedom Fighter? That, that, I, I, don't that was, I don't remember. It might have been, but I, I do know that uh, that film was inspired, obviously, by Deer Hunter. Because, like, the, the sort of... Uh, one of the students was very inspired by Deer Hunter, and then so he was playing Russian roulette with the teacher. Um, mm. uh, wasn't that, that dark comedy? Wasn't that a Christian Slater film? I can't remember that. Well, that's off topic, I guess. But still, it was it was, it was a really good movie. That's all I remember. About. As the I Oscars don't what the movie's name is. drew near, yep. the backlash against the film gathered strength. When the limos pulled up to the Dorothy Chandler Pavilion on April 9, nineteen seventy nine, they were met by demonstrators mostly from the Los Angeles chapter of Vietnam veterans against the war. The demonstration, uh, demonstrators waved placards covered with slogans that read, No Oscars for Racism, and The Deer Hunter, A Bloody Lie, and thrust pamphlets berating Deer Hunter into long lines of limousine windows. Derek Washburn, nominated for Best Original Screenplay, claims his limousine was pelted with stones. According to Riley, police and the Deer Hunter protesters clashed in a brief but bloody battle that resulted in 13 arrests. 13? Jeez. Yeah. This film was really going for it in the time where just like, maybe it shouldn't have. I have no time to just put that out there. Yeah. Um, um, the bar was specifically constructed in an empty storefront in Mingo Junction, Ohio, for $25,000. It later became a real saloon for local steel mill workers, so... They built them a bar. That's right. great. Uh, the good wedding, for the mill workers. That's good for them. <laughs> the wedding sequences were filmed in the summer, but were set to fall. To accomplish a look of fall, leaves were removed from trees and painted orange. They were then uh, reattached to the trees, which reminds me of, um, what was it, Dirty Dancing, where they did that? Where it was in the fall they'd show but it was supposed to be in oh, summer, so yeah, they spray yeah. painted so they rain or something. Spray, and they, they had spent a bunch of time yeah. making Or even the Halloween leaves, leaves, movies where they like, reuse the same leaves in time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, George Gizanda completely blows the toast line when the group arrives in the mountains for the first time. His reaction is legitimate, and a few of the other character or actors can be seen laughing in response. <laughs> Jeff Bridges was considered for the role of Nick. Rutania Alda actually struck her head quite hard on the doorway during the first take while being carried out of the reception hall. This is why the scene includes John Savage warning her in the take, which was used. <laughs> Watch your head. Uh, John Wayne. Imagine that. John Wayne's final public appearance was to present the Best Picture Oscar to this movie at the 51st Annual Academy Awards. It was not a film of which Wayne was fond, since it presented a very different view of Vietnam War than his own movie, The Green Berets, in 1968 had. Yeah, um, John Wayne very pro war. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and Jan- very a lot of other things that are um, questionable and uh, outright morally ansible. But <laughs> John Wayne for you. <laughs> hey, don't say nothing bad about the Duke. I'm not gonna say anything bad about the Duke on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Too late. Uh, Jane Scuggs. Uh, Scruggs, a Vietnam veteran who became a counselor with the U.S. Department of Labor, thought the idea of building a national memorial for Vietnam veterans after seeing a screening of this film in spring of 1979, and he established and operated the memorial fund that paid for it. Pierre Segoy, uh, Julian, lost a friend in real life to the game of Russian Roulette. Mm, speaking of Russian Roulette, I did find the movie that I was referring to. It's called 187. Um, it's it's a movie that uh, talks about and highlights sort of gang violence in L.A. and sort of. Um, I thought that was like a Snoop Doggy Dog reference. <laughs> <laughs> um, the and the, the, the lead role is played by Samuel L. Jackson. Huh. huh. When the guys are leaving the factory and heading to Welch's bar, Nick uh, Chris Walken encourages Michael uh, to drive faster. In real life, Walken has a phobia of getting going too fast in cars. Huh. The church used in the wedding sequence was the. Theodosius Russian Orthodox Cathedral located in Cleveland, Ohio. One can clearly see the name plaque in one scene. Hey, if any of our listeners are in Cleveland, I know we have some listeners there. Uh, I know Patrick and uh, Molly are there. Maybe they can take a uh, picture of that and send it on our Facebook group. That would be incredible. Right. 
Uh, Michael C. was criticized for one-sidedly portraying all the North Vietnamese as sadistic racists and killers. Uh, Mr. C. countered that his film was not political, polemical, literally accurate, or posturing for any particular point of view. He further defended his position by saying that he had news clippings from Singapore that confirmed Russian roulette was used during the war. Uh, the Claritin scenes comprised footage shot in eight different towns in four states, West Virginia, Pennsylvania, Washington, and Ohio. So as far as him, like I, I did I did a bunch of research on that particular thing where he was looking into the Russian roulette. Um, so even though he claimed to have news clippings, when they actually confronted him about it, for them, him to show them the news clippings, he didn't actually have them. So it was a completely fabricated fact that they were playing Russian roulette. And not to say it didn't happen, but the fact... The fact that what no. he was bringing up was uh, uh, fabricated from and himself. If I could go a little further to actually like somewhat defend the film, although I do believe his depictions were, in a sense, partially racist and questionable in their uh, you know depiction, um, I do understand. If I if I were thinking from a possibly a veteran's perspective in that conflict, they may see their enemy as a monstrous, evil person, even if they're not. So in that sense of the film, they're trying to capture that viewpoint of these. Um, you know, Vietnam soldiers seeing these Vietnamese torturing them, they see them as these incredibly more well, ugly figures. Well let's, yeah. uh, well, let's also think about this. How many prisoners of war were there? You know what I mean? Yeah. And how many never came home? Mm. Oh, yeah. Also, how many are still... Yeah. yeah. I don't want to say still What's alive, What's the stories of the ones that never came exactly. home? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's no... There's nothing you can tell, you know, so... Like I said, it's not to say that none of this didn't happen. It's... it's uh, like I said before, it, it's mostly even though it wasn't intended, it can appear to a viewer who's not really in on the know of maybe that what where the director's mind was. It could seem one sided and yeah. sort of like okay, this, this is a really really harsh depiction. Yeah. Not, but once it, again, it's not to say that it didn't happen because yeah. obviously atrocities happened on both sides. It is an undeniably terrible and dark time in human history, and we are not the people who are appropriate to cast blame or um, judgment on the people yeah. of that era, necessarily. And I agree with the filmmakers that like maybe that depiction was overkill, maybe it wasn't in some ways, maybe it was in others. I'm not going to say that, but I still respect this as the film overall. Hey, we're not choice. to your point of <laughs> inclusive. Uh, CBS paid $5 million for the exclusive network television broadcast rights for this film. Uh, this is cited by Jodie Foster as her favorite film. Uh, the choir featured in the wedding scenes were the real choir for the church uh, used during filming. They had to sing the hymns more than 50 times. Ooh, man. I think I think just for the length of the, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the <whole thing>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Michael C. originally wanted Brad Dourif to play the role of Steven. Hmm. We've seen him in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the cast and crew slept on the floor of the warehouse where the Saigon Russian roulette sequences were shot. Um, according to Rutna Alda, director Michael C. obsessed over the scene where her character Angela and Steve. A drink from the cup during the wedding ceremony. According to Orthodox Russian Christian tradition, spilling wine during this moment is a bad omen. So Mr. C was determined to capture this foreshadowing moment on camera. He asked for the special effects department to create a cup that would cause a drop to visibly fall on Alda's uh, dress. But when it came to shoot the scene, it didn't work properly. Mr. C was reportedly furious and uh, wasted almost an entire day of shooting to get the effect to no avail. In the end, Mr. C himself was standing on a ladder just out of frame and uh, dropped a bit of wine on Alda's dress from above. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I get it's like the easiest ones are the hardest ones to produce. Right? Yeah. yeah think it's like it would the be an easy effect, shot. And then it turns out it's all day. <laughs> uh, Michael C spent six months shooting this film and a further uh, five months mixing the soundtrack. Since this was his first Dolby stereo film, he was eager to exploit the technology to its fullest potential. 
A short battle sequence, for example, 200 feet of film took five days to dub. Which in the... Um, right when they show Case uh, going from their hometown into the war... Uh, this is another movie where they just destroyed a bunch of uh, uh, of the uh, the land the, to, to film the scene. The trees, yeah, and the, yeah, the trees and buildings. Like yeah, like yeah, yeah. In, in particular, just there was trees. Nature. Yeah, yeah, where they just like <laughs> yeah. they just destroyed some some nature to to film. Yeah. According to Christopher Walken, the historical context wasn't paramount in the making of it. I don't remember anyone ever mentioning Vietnam. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, Robert De Niro added this in it. Whether the film's vision of the war actually happened or not, it's something you could imagine very easily happening. Maybe it did. I don't know. All's fair in love and war. Mm. Uh, that's the first thing. It's also a little of a dodge, but... Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. Uh, the For first sure. deer to be shot was depicted in a gruesome close-up, although he was hit with a tranquilizer dart. <laughs> <laughs> uh, editor Peter Zinner was given 600,000 feet of printed film to edit. A monumental task at the time. Zinner, no relation, eventually cut the film down to 18,000 feet. That is a chunk quite, of film. Quite the feet. Uh, that, that's, he's, yeah, he's had some long nights with that one. Yeah, that's definitely just an immense challenge. You know, making <laughs> films is incredibly hard, and people are put in positions of extreme workloads that um, I just respect them for, but also wish they were never put well, in the first kind of situation. let me continue. M- Michael C. later fired Zinner, no relation, when he discovered that Zinner... No relation. Really? <laughs> was editing down the scene, wedding scenes. Zinner. No relation. Eventually won a Best Editing Oscar for the film. Regarding <laughs> the clashes between him and Simino, Zinner. No relation. Stated, Michael C. and I had our differences at the end, but he kissed me when we both got Academy Awards. Simino later committed to the New York Observer. He, Zinner. My uncle. Was a, was a moron. <laughs> I can't do it out of myself. <laughs> Got you on that one. Yeah, it worked. <laughs> oh, oh, man. Uh, the cast and crew viewed large amounts of news footage from the war to ensure authenticity. Couldn't none of better be planted. <laughs> uh, scouts for the film traveled over 100,000 miles by plane, bus, and car to find locations for filming. First feature film depicting the Vietnam War to be filmed on location in Thailand. Hmm. In 2007, the American Film Institute ranked this as the 50, number 53 greatest movie of all time. The car that Mike is driving is a 1959 Cadillac Series 62. This movie is considered widely to blame for the indu- introduction of Russian roulette to pop culture. Uh, I can see that. Yeah, I can totally understand that. And Michael C. <laughs> originally claimed that the wedding scene would take up 21 minutes of screen time. In the end, it took 51 minutes. Uh, Michael Dealey believed that sim- uh, Mr. C. always planned to make this prologue last for an hour, and the plan was to be advanced... Uh, by stealth rather than straight dealing. Uh, this is one of two Robert De Niro w- uh, movies to win Best Picture. The other one is The Godfather Part Two. And the U.S. theatrical posters contain the following warning at the bottom. Warning, due to the mature content of this film, under 17 requires a uh, accompanying parent or adult guardian. This will be strict adherence to this policy. That's fair. Bill Clinton later told Meryl Streep that Linda was one of his favorite performances of his entire, entire career. Oh, of course he would. Yeah, yeah he would. Uh, Michael's, Michael's breast, yeah. breast ribbons and medals that appear uh, to include the Silver Star, the Soldier's Medal, the Bronze Star with the Combat V, uh, Air Medal, Army Commendation, uh, Purple Heart, the Good Conduct Medal, National Defense Service Medal, Vietnam Service Medal, Republic of Vietnam, Vietnam Campaign Medal. Uh, Robert De Niro accompanied Michael C. to scout locations for the steel mill sequence as well rehearsed uh, with the cast members to use the workshops as a bonding process. 
There was some controversy over the actors being too old for their characters. In reality, Robert De Niro, Christopher Walken, and John Savage were all in their 20s during the Vietnam War and the late 20s and 30s during uh, filming. Too old to be drafted, but not to volunteer for the U.S. Army, as they clearly do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, this is in the 1001 movies you must see. Um, this is the only picture, uh, best picture Oscar nominee this year to be also nominated for Best Sound. Uh, the car that Julian drives, which is pretty sweet, is a Jaguar XK120. <laughs> okay, and now um, let me let me do these real quick. Uh, in the original script, the roles of Mike and Nick were reversed. In the last half of the film, Nick returns home to Linda while Mike remains in Vietnam, sends money help to help Stephen, and meet his tragic fate at the Russian roulette table. Now, here's the one I'm going to propose to you guys, and this is actually confirmed by the director. So, mm-hmm. it is generally believed that Stephen. Uh, is not the father of Angela's baby due to his remark that he never really did it with Angela. He was apparently the only one who offered to marry her to save her the indignity of becoming an unmarried mother. In the commentary for the special edition DVD release um, as of 2005, only available in the UK region to encoded, Michael Simino revealed that Nick, Chris Falcon, was the father. This was a highly debated issue by fans of the film until then was a mystery. So wow. I mean that that that, that changes ma- perspective. That's why stuff. I said because, and that, that makes because when he did sense. remember when he's like Michael, I don't want to go home. Yeah, you know, I don't want to go home. And now you always thought, oh, it's because of my legs. You know, I don't. Yeah, you know, that's what one I thought. Arm. Yeah, that's what I was thinking that from makes the way thing. More sense now that I read that, and that's actually confirmed by the director. That puts a whole another spin of the whole realm of the movie. So uh, Terrence will let you go first on this one. Alrighty then. So. Uh, this was my first time watching it. I did see in the past, I have seen the, the latter half of this movie. Um, so I, I wasn't prepared for the first third of the movie. Because uh, there's there's three parts of this movie, I guess you could say. The first act being... That whole wedding. The whole Russian wedding slash, like, you know, the, the first time they go deer hunting. Uh, it kind of just shows the rapport of all these friends. Uh, you know, them kind of glorifying the war in a way where they're kind of excited. They even see a... Excited a, to be heroes and all yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. Uh, which, you know, very much contrast how they feel at the end. Um, at least the ones who went. Uh, the middle half is obviously them becoming POWs, which I think is the biggest highlight of that. Uh, and then the third half is them com- returning home, at least the ones who did return home. Uh, and then showing how the war affected them and those around them. Sort of that... Uh, everybody is like, oh, they're back and they're heroes and we won, right? And Everything's like, going back to won. normal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and obviously you can see them having the feeling of unease, not really wanting to talk about that uh, because it's kind of hard to tell all these people who are very excited that, like, no one won. It, it was terrible and it was awful and it was ugly, uh, especially, you know, being POWs and going what they, what they went through. Uh, so I, I, I found... Just like you were saying, the first half did not get me at all. I was just like, okay, this is running really long. Um, but it caught me in the, the second and third half, uh, to which, in the end, I did enjoy it. And I can see uh, why you know it's up there uh, with other movies that we've watched. Um, you know, Apocalypse Now, movies we haven't covered yet, like uh, uh, Full Metal Jacket and Platoon. Um, it's just, it's a, it's a good uh, movie, uh, not movie, not so much in the depiction of Nam itself, but I think in the depiction of how it feels coming home and that disassociation and uh, 
there's even a scene uh, where Robert De Niro's character is home and he's just like, I have to go. I just don't feel right here right now. Uh, and then he just leaves. Um, it's sort of a big disassociation from just being back. Uh, and that's something that veterans encounter now. And uh, so myself being an Afghanistan veteran, uh, it, we, we have to, once we're getting ready to come back, we actually have to go through a process of sort of getting reintegrated to come back to the States. Uh, so they're, they're better now instead of just like back then with Nam, they kind of just, okay, you come back home. <laughs> and so you don't really get this time to reacclimate and you're not really sure what to expect where now they, you know, there's a lot of talking about it and uh, you sort of get to slowly reacclimate and you kind of know what to expect and kind of know what you're going to feel when you come back. So I, I think, I think it did a pretty good job and, and, kind of showing that to an audience who might not understand the best as possible. Obviously there's a lot of things that you don't know. Until you're there. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but no, I, I really, really enjoyed this movie. And now of course this is coming from the perspective of like, I just like war movies. Um, and if you like war movies, this is one to see, even though uh, not too much of it is actually war itself. It's mostly, you know, them being POWs and stuff. Uh, but no, it's, it's a, it's a really solid film that you just have to get through the first <laughs> third of it to yeah, really enjoy those, it. You get through the wedding, you'll be good. <laughs> yeah. That, that's the biggest downfall of the movie, I think, is is the really lengthy third, the first third, just because I understand they want to show all the characters and the closeness and the rapport to show how they are before the war and how they feel about it and all this other stuff to really make an impact at the end when everybody's sort of changed. Every character who went is not different. One, even to the point where uh, he doesn't remember anything about himself, and he just gets wrapped up in uh, playing Russian roulette. Uh, you know, uh, just truly lost. Yeah, truly sense. lost um, himself in a sense. And so, yeah, really, really, really good movie. I recommend it. Um, it's definitely not for the faint of heart. Uh, so it's not for everyone, for sure. Uh, but if you, uh, if any of what I've said sounds interesting, and if you haven't watched it already. Go watch it. <laughs> That's my take on it. Yeah. Um, moving on to my opinion, um, I also um, I think um, I want to echo pretty much everything Terrence said rings true for me as well. I'm not a veteran, of course, so I don't know those opinions. Um, but um, I do. Um, you know, I, I, there's a uh, I value trying to experience, understand what that mindset is that veterans go through, and trying to experience the um, feeling of being in those traumatic spaces, and then trying to reacclimate to normal life. And how those difficulties kind of strive. And uh, we've covered them for films like Apocalypse Now and uh, Full Metal Jacket and those kind of films. And this film probably more so than others with that incredibly long wedding scene establishes that these are regular people in a very real sense. You know, the wedding actually feels like the wedding, the wedding is more real than it was fake. And it turns out even the production of the movie itself, it feels like. So it's one of those things where you kind of look at it all and you realize that uh, you... Uh, you know, it, it it took a lot of courage to make a film that is that vulnerable to people, I believe. You know, um, clearly, as we talked about the controversies that went on early on, uh, that people were, you know, um, you know, uh, outright uh, not uh, objecting objecting to the film, basically not going to the film or banning the film outright. It took a lot of courage to kind of try and deal with those incredibly high emotions in society and in the film itself, and I really do appreciate the film for that. So overall, I think this is one of the films that um, it's not for everyone to see, because that's a, that's a very sensitive mindset to kind of bring yourself into. I wouldn't yeah. tell everyone to do that, of course. 
but in general, I do think it is one of the one of the better films of all time. And if you um, if you feel up to it, absolutely watch the Deer Hunter. I think it's worth watching at least once, maybe even twice. If you ha- understand you're going into that wedding scene, you can kind of appreciate um, what they're trying to do there. But um, overall, I think it's a, a great film, and I'm happy I watched it. Jimbo, how do you feel? This is a great movie. Um, I think the wedding scene was necessary to establish a lot of underlying tones throughout the movie. Number one, you find out that Michael really does want Nick's girlfriend, uh, Meryl Streep or whatever. And this is where Nick asked him to yeah. marry him, if you remember. Because you can even see when he asks for a dance, you see Nick just sitting there. He's dancing with the other girl. He gives him like that evil eye. or yeah, He's, he's yeah. keeping a close eye on him, even though they're friends. And then... You have, uh, you know, they're all comrades, they're all buddies, and then they all go on this one last hurrah uh, camping trip, uh, the deer hunting trip, um, which you see Michael, he he, they, he always gets a deer, and yep. he, he sees that deer come in, boom, shoots it, you know, it's back, and they take it back to the town or whatever. Later on in the movie, so they go off to Vietnam. Uh, they get captured. They get yep. tortured. They play make played Russia. They see some of their friends die um, right there. They end up escaping. You know, they just they just destroy that little camp that they were in. Yeah, and they sail down the river. You know, they almost sounds like they're going over a waterfall. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, um, So the struggle from there, um, you know, and the one guy was like, and even Robert Nimmer's like, oh, he's not going to make it. We're going to leave him. Yep. You know, but he didn't. You know what I mean? So. As the movie progresses, you start feeling for these characters. And there was a scene... A lot more happened in Vietnam than we know because of all the medals on Robert De Niro when yeah. he comes back. But there's the scene where Christopher Walken... One of the, 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 the things that got me is there's a scene of Christopher Walken's in the... Uh, was the infirmary. And yeah. he pulls out that picture out of his wallet and he looks at his, his girlfriend, Meryl Streep, from yeah. back home. Yeah. And, you know, and he's like, are you so-and-so? He's like, uh, yeah, I'm Mr... Whatever the name was, it wasn't. And he looks over at that guy, and he's got a lot, no arms or no legs or something. Yeah, remember yeah. anything there? And uh, at that point, I think that's where Christopher Walken's character t- decides, "I'm not going back." Um, and you can see his slow downfall. And then, so anyway, Michael goes back. So he can't really reincorporate back there. They're throwing him that big party, and he's standing behind that sign. And he's just they, everybody just leaves. You know what I mean? And then he yeah. finally goes in and sees Meryl Streep. And then Meryl Streep's character, you feel for her because she hasn't heard anything from Nick. Michael's back and obviously Michael's always liked her and then there was that scene where she's like Michael just just sleep with me tonight or whatever she yeah, says you know, know, her, like, her line was um let's to comfort each, each other. other right and this you know in this in this time and uh, and you can tell he, he goes she goes to the bathroom to get ready and he he comes back and he's just out cold yeah. and then you see him getting and he's getting ready and he leaves before she even wakes up um but then Michael's like I gotta go. He goes deer hunting again, if you remember. Yeah, and yeah. he sees that That's deer. He misses, and he does. I don't even think he shoots. Yeah, he lets it. He just stares at that deer, and he just lets it walk away. You know what I mean? And then I think at that point he realizes I gotta go back. This isn't right. I gotta go back for my friend. And this is where he goes back over to Viet- Vietnam, wherever um, Nick was, mm-hmm. and he takes that wad of money, and he's like, "Yeah." He goes finds that guy that Nick first got introduced to Russia with that, you know, and he's throwing all this money at him. He's like, "You take me here," and he's like, "No." He's like, "You take me." And they end up going, and they, he keeps paying all this money, money, money. Well, it comes down to where Tim and Nick sitting at the Russian roulette table together. Yeah. And he's like, dude, you don't have to do this. Come back with me. We, we need you. And he's he's just so totally gone. He doesn't even realize where he's at. Oh, yeah. And the fills that you get, uh, and this is going to be a spoiler alert, When so if you haven't seen it, you might want to stop here. But when Nick pulls that trigger, you know, and you just see the anguish on Michael's face, like he lost his friend, but then you see him 
all at the funeral uh, at the graveside. You know what I mean? All the friends are back together. You got even the guy that didn't want to come home in the wheelchairs there uh, with his wife again. Yeah. Um, you just get it in the fills, and they all go back to that bar, and then they sing that "God Bless America" at the end. Yeah. It's a really moving scene, man. Um, Powerful stuff. Yeah. Oh, yeah good sure. movie. Good movie. Uh, there is language. There is nudity. There is definitely violence. There's blood. There's gore. Mm-hmm. But to me, I enjoyed this movie more than I enjoyed Apocalypse Now. And I think it's because the relations between friends, lifelong friends, and the struggles that they went through, how they still remain friends at the end. It's a lot more connected. And you, it right. built up those relationships that, you know, when you, you, you really felt for the characters. Like Apocalypse Now, I know down. I didn't know where that was going. You know what I mean? This, you <laughs> actually, true, I didn't yeah. really care for the characters in there. But this mm-hmm. one, you actually grow attached to Michael's character. You feel the struggle he's going through. You feel Nick's struggle. You feel the guy that has his, arm, his legs blown off. You know, I mean, you, and, you, and then you come to find out that the one guy was dying of lung cancer during this entire film too. You know, yeah. afterwards, yeah. and how they wanted to cut him and they wouldn't let him come. It just makes it so that so much more of a movie. So I'm glad I watched this movie. It's called The Deer Hunter, and I don't think it should be called The Deer Hunter <laughs> yeah. because I was expecting like a hunting movie. I'm not gonna lie; I thought it was about a guy that just hunts in the woods with Meryl Streep, maybe as his wife or something. Chris Walken is his friend out there hunting deer or something, and one of them accidentally gets killed. That's what I thought it was. Yeah. Uh, Totally different movie. This is a great movie, and I cannot recommend it high enough. Just be warned that there is some triggers and some stuff in there that may not For sure. you may not agree with. So, mm-hmm. um, our next film. See, see what I did there, Terrence. You didn't yeah. think I knew, but our next <laughs> film, and I'm going to go ahead and pick it since uh, yeah. we already have some of them out. Uh, it's going to be the original House on Haunted Hill. Uh, Vincent Price. Um, it's been a while since we did uh, a nice little spooky movie, so uh, we're going to go ahead and do that next time around. So uh, if you want to go ahead and watch that, be prepared for that one. So, well, I think this episode's coming to a close, and I think that's a wrap. And, and cut. cut. Oh, wow, we messed that up.